0: Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Music Cast podcast. It's just Kevin again. I'm just hopping in at the very beginning. I just wanted to run down a few things and kind of introduce this um, episode of the podcast. So this episode is... This one was really helpful for me. Actually, this is an interview with Dr. Sarah Goulish and her colleague from the high school that she works at, Chelsea Diener. They were here to talk specifically to us about their guitar program and how they run their curriculum. And this was one that kind of was um, spurred on by Marissa and I at our school because we're really trying to work and revamp our guitar curriculum. And uh, Sarah and Chelsea are a little farther along in theirs than we are. So it's really great to talk to someone who has been through what we've been through and has improved and changed things. So there's great conversation about um, resources and places you can go if you're looking at starting a guitar program or a guitar class at your high school. We talked about introducing high school age students um, to music as new music learners and what that looks like and then also we got a chance to talk a little bit about the conventions of. How you're teaching music to high school age students, depending on what their background is, what they're bringing in. So it was a really great conversation all the way around. I think it's it's nice to revisit why we teach and how we teach students, especially if they come in at different levels. And it was nice to just talk about guitar and a program that I think is very up and coming and if schools don't have them they might be on their way to them and Sarah and Chelsea were just such great resources and so helpful in that conversation so I hope that you get as much of this conversation as Marissa and I did Um, and again just be sure to listen to the end there's some promo codes and things like that and um, be sure to check out F-flat's website and the music cast tab so we can give you a little more information on um different things that chelsea and sarah talk about in this episode so thanks very much i hope everyone's doing well and um enjoy the episode thanks (laughs) all right so we're here with um chelsea and sarah chelsea thanks for being here with us
1: thank you for having
2: me
0: and sarah thank you for coming back again of course is Sarah the first repeat yes. guest, I think? It's so, hurting.
2: It feels wrong. I feel like I'm trying to have a monopoly over content and people are probably sick of hearing from me, but I appreciate being back.
0: We're going to subtly find a way to work Sarah into a bunch of conversations and <laughs> say, do you just want to like edit the conversation that you did? And then before you know it, she'll be doing music <laughs> cast. It'll be great. Um, so we we were here and we wanted to chat about um, talk about electives. And I think that this is a conversation that's good to have beyond just this year i feel like as we've been trying to make things we keep always trying to twist ourselves back into like what's going on with covid and stuff like this but this is actually a conversation that i've been excited to have with someone or wanting to have with someone before then um to give you a little background where i come in on this one um we started a guitar class 2 years ago 3 years ago um at my school and it's right around the stage of It served its purpose pretty well, but you can tell that I started a a guitar class with good intentions, and I'm at a point where it needs to evolve beyond that because it's not necessarily filling certain things. Um, So one of the things I wanted to approach was to ask questions about um, how you structure teaching high school students a new instrument at that age. And um, Chelsea and Sarah, you both have guitar courses that you teach at school, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. Um is this
2: gonna be a therapy session? Should we get this out of the way for you Kevin?
0: I mean yeah, <laughs>
3: please please please
0: please we don't me. have we don't have the the time and I don't have the money <laughs> to do the therapy thing, so don't worry i won't
1: you are shopping for therapists up here at lower
0: <laughs> there you go um so, can you give a little background to your guitar class, just kind of what it looks like structure and things like that? We'll start there.
2: Sure. I'll talk about the class because um, I started teaching at our school before Chelsea did. And now we kind of both share the responsibility of teaching beginning guitar. Um, It was actually the first class at the high school that I taught by myself when I was hired. Um, And it was already an elective in place. It was called beginning guitar. I didn't actually know how to play the guitar when I started it. (laughs) I knew two chords. And so... I was not really given a curriculum. I was just sort of given songs um, by the person who taught it before me. She said, here are some songs that I do. Here are some things I try to have them play. And that was kind of it. Um, And a couple of like scale worksheets. So I feel like the first year I taught it, I was just trying to survive. Um, I was, you know, trying to learn one step ahead of my students I was also 22 years old. I was teaching 15, mostly senior boys. It was like the strangest <laughs> cohort of guitar and they were all wild and gotten fights. Like it was a disaster. Um, I also, I mean, I'll keep things PG, but there are things you learn when you start teaching guitar that you can't say because they sound very inappropriate. And I learned it all the hard way where I would say something, and as soon as it was out of my mouth, uh, these 15 senior boys would, you know, give me hell for it. So uh, that was my leap into guitar. And I should say that the class itself has changed a lot over the years because when I first started teaching it, I felt like I, – I taught it in a very traditional way, meaning I was teaching notation. You know, we were doing some popular music, popular music and some – strumming work and that type of thing. But I didn't really know what students needed. And so it was always, I just felt like I was, you know, throwing arrows at a dartboard and didn't know (laughs) throwing darts at a dartboard and nothing was hitting.
0: So. So, and I think that's, that's the first hurdle. And um, before we go there, Chelsea, how long have you taught the guitar class?
1: Um, So prior to coming to Lower Moreland, I had taught guitar at the middle school level, but never the high school level. And I only five years ago got guitar on my schedule for one semester. And thankfully, my dear friend here had already made a curriculum. And um, so I taught it that semester five years ago. And it was my favorite class that I taught, like in my career. And then I got to teach it this semester. So I've only actually taught it twice but today was the last day of that semester, and I was bawling at the end of the class because it, it, it is my favorite. Um, I don't know if you want me to get into curriculum things yet, but so really, I've only taught it two semesters total.
2: And we should say our, our two main beginning instrument classes are we have a piano lab class. So it's keep people can take keyboarding or they can take guitar and it just so happened that Chelsea's often given the keyboard classes and I'm usually given the guitar classes and sometimes we'll switch. But we were even saying today, like she found so much joy in teaching guitar. And I said, I don't have to have the monopoly on the guitar classes. You know, we can, we can trade them, but we, we do teach beginners in both of those classes.
0: So, and we're actually, we're probably a couple of years behind you in this whole process too, because Marissa actually taught this semester is her first, semester doing the guitar class as well. So up until this point, it's only been, we, we just made it um, three years ago, I guess, because it was your first year, right, Marissa? Three years ago, we made it. um, And it's only been me up until this point. So it's been nice to have the other person there. Um, From a curriculum standpoint, and I think Sarah, you mentioned it, and Chelsea, you started to mention it too, in terms of curriculum. What is your, when you teach beginner guitar, what is your goal for those students from when they walk in to when they walk out?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, We talk about this. Our goal is lifelong learners, autonomous musicians. That means we want kids to leave our classroom, having the tools to keep playing an instrument on their own and making music on their own. So much of what we do is geared towards basically getting the training wheels off, giving them tools to learn and practice different styles of guitar or keyboard on their own so in beginning guitar our goal is never like mastery of a style it's not mastery of finger picking not mastery of power chords or mastery over even reading tabs it's that they have experience doing all of these things that once they leave and they want to play in a band or they want to learn their favorite song or look up chords on ultimate guitar they can keep doing that
0: and So where does, uh, if you're approaching just like, um, if you're like fourth, fifth week of class and you're learning this new song and you have the gambit of students that I'm comfy reading music, I'm comfy reading tabs, I'm going to kind of stall and listen to the person next to me until I can tell what they're playing and then I'm just going to play it by ear. What's the, how do you approach those different styles of learning all in one go? Because this is the therapy session moment. This is where I'm most finding myself hitting that, I have to change this in terms of how I do it right now, because I agree. And I love the idea of, I don't need my kids to be the best music readers on the planet. And I don't need them to be proficient at tab also, but I find myself, they always get to that spot where if they don't learn enough of it, I can't get them to continue. And that's the hardest wall that I feel like I hit. So how do you balance the different ways they want to learn while keeping them moving forward?
1: Do you want me to answer that there? Yeah. Um, well, one of the ways is like, and I used Sarah's curriculum in my teaching, but being super process based so that each time we learn a different song, there's a different process to learn it. So if I'm a kid that loves the tab, I have a unit that was tab focused and maybe not approaching the entire song, but a little piece of the song. And another trick that Sarah uses is when we learn a riff, she'll, teach the kids like the bass part and a drum part. So when the kids are playing the riff that we're learning, the rest of the class can either be doing that along with them playing something else. And so everybody at whatever level they're at can participate. And then even when you're teaching a skill, like I always try to differentiate it. Like here's the strum pattern, but these are other ways you can do it. Or if we're doing four different chords and it's our fourth week and they're only comfortable with the one chord, every time we get to that one chord, that's your time. Play that A chord. Yes. And then don't play the other ones. And then we come back. Okay, Marissa, this is your chord. Yes, that's beautiful finger pattern. Okay. So just, and then like keeping it variety so that you have the ability as the teacher to be like, yes kid that loves only reading chords way to rock that tab like you're you're really going to be able to use that in the next unit or i don't know just getting them excited and feeling like they're successful and i i feel like this semester sarah is a lot better about assessment i was super process based probably way too far in that even if they just tried anything i was like 100 percent there you go mm-hmm. um just because i wanted them to still play through their screens but um Sarah, you can probably add more to that
2: topic. Well, yeah, I think what you're getting at. um, So here's a question for you, Kevin. Have you ever played in like a rock band before? No. Okay.
0: Um, Sarah, this is for context. (laughs) there's There's no video, but Marissa grins because I am the opposite of any attention seeking anything. So like the smaller the group gets, the farther back I'll go until I'm behind the curtain. I'll go, oh, I'll just open this when you're ready to play. I don't need to be here. And that's kind of, that's my approach. Okay. So no, I have not.
2: Um, you should do that. Even if it's just you and Marissa, truly, you should truly have the experience of playing in some type of band, I think for a couple of reasons, and, and Chelsea can attest to this, we have a teacher band um, called Staff Infection. <laughs> it's <awesome. laughs> It's us and then it's teachers from, you know, science, uh, English, social studies, which is really fun. But we've played secondary instruments in there. I've also played in bands in years, and honestly, so much of what I do with my beginning guitar curriculum isn't what I learned in college, it's what I've learned playing in bands, and one thing that I've learned jamming with different um, musicians in the band setting is no one is ever at the same level or doing the same thing, ever, and that's so different from our traditional ensembles where we're all usually doing the same thing supposedly at the same level or you're faking it in the back, right? And so when it comes to the guitar class and I had to do this through trial and error figure out like What is the normal pacing of my students. So after you teach it for a few years, you start to figure out, okay, you'll always have kids Who like fly through this stuff and then you have always have kids you struggle with coordinating their right hand, let's say, and so from day one, I sort of set out like Chelsea was saying, different entry points. So if we're all playing a song together, we're all jamming together, before we even start playing, I give them options. So it's like, if you're really struggling with your chord changes, just mute your strings and focus on your left hand. If you're really struggling with the strumming pattern, mute your strings and just strum. If, you're, if you wanna practice the harmonic rhythm, but not put it all together, do that and strum once per chord. Or if you feel ready for it, put the whole thing together. That way a kid doesn't try to play the song as is, find out they can't do it, get frustrated and just stop playing. Now they have something they can be successful at and they can practice and they get to decide what that is. But we're all, the point is we're all jamming together. We're playing together and whatever level we're at, we can experience being in a band.
1: Also, if I can add to what Sarah said, um, I, I'm not a string player. I took some guitar lessons in college. But um, when, I guess it was six years ago now, Sarah's like, we're starting a band and you're going to play bass. I was like, I don't, I don't play bass. She's like, it's the bottom four strings of the guitar. And I was like, it is? She's like, yes, Chelsea, you knew that. And I was like, yeah, I knew that. And then she's <laughs> playing at Java Jam, which is this full senior like night where all the kids get up and um, do like a, a coffee house. She's like, it's just open D. You'll be fine. I was terrified out of my mind. <laughs> If you watch the recording, like I'm so stiff and I'm standing there and I'm just like, I was so nervous. I'm like, oh my God, did I move to the, it was too early. Oh, I messed everything up. But it gave me such an eye-opening experience. I'm like, this is how the kids feel when they're starting in front of us and they're embarrassed. And like, I was in front of my friends and I, so I feel like it helped me so much as a teacher to literally step into their shoes and feel the fright uh, and fear of, of trying something new that you're not good at yet. I feel like it changed me as a person and teacher and made me like more open to be learning with the kids as well, which they love. So don't be afraid to be open with your kids if you're also learning with them. So they like they're like, oh, okay,
0: cool. The closest thing to that we've had is the one segment we do right about the time where we're starting to put different things together. Is we do the uh, help me, Marissa, uh, stand by me, chord changes, like the 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 like '50s rock. The, those ma- I don't know. I have some coffee in me now, so I'm on. I can't. Think. You guys
2: can't see what's happening, but Kevin is using some like crab hands to to All demonstrate right. what he's talking about.
0: Um, <laughs>
3: yeah, but like the craziest thing is that normally on Thursday nights he goes to soccer and plays a soccer game at like 10:30 p.m. So like I really think that this is like a normal thing. He's just getting ready to go play. So I don't. It's
0: know. at it's at 10:45 tonight. So mm-hmm. that is what I'm getting ready to do. Um, what? Yeah, it'll be good. Um, but the, the the stand by me moment was the great one because I felt like it. we just looped those chords over and over again. And I had some kids playing the bass line, some kids playing the melody, and then some kids playing the chords. And it just really helped to kind of filter the stuff and move through. Um, and I think the one thing that you both mentioned that's really important to Marissa, I want to get your take on this too, because I know you're trying to hide in the back of this one. But um, this is your first semester teaching the guitar course. And the one thing that you've noticed and you've mentioned multiple times is the disparity of ability that the kids come in mm-hmm. at. And um, it's, so, it's, it's very nice and it's refreshing to hear someone say they come in at different levels and grade them at the level that they come in and assess them in that way. Because weirdly enough, even though that's how we approach concert band or choir or orchestra, it's never the way I initially, and this is my own fault, I never initially approached guitar that way. Because in my mind, since it was a beginning guitar class, I was always going to grade you on certain yeah. levels and skills. And then the moment—and it happened immediately—the moment a kid saw guitar in a program of studies, he went, "I want that." And he goes, "I can play all the Led Zeppelin songs." And I went, "I don't know what to do with you." And it's three minutes into class. Um, we
2: always have that, or I tell them, <laughs> I'll give them—you know—a couple weeks where I'm like, "You have to be a beginner." and they fake being a beginner until the drop ad period's over and then they start playing Stairway to Heaven. I'm like, you got me.
0: (laughs) I had, when we first pitched it, the district hadn't ordered the guitars yet. My first two weeks of the very first guitar segment, I didn't have guitars. And the kids that were like that were losing their mind. And I was, the moment they came and they opened them, I lost them for like a day. It was just over. I never saw, they went nuts. Um, And that's actually
2: a philosophy question that I have to keep coming back to, because we're creating this curriculum. We're deciding what kids need. And if a kid is taking the course and they know all of the Led Zeppelin tunes, but they're taking it because they love playing guitar and they have no space in school to make music. And this is the only space, like they can't take concert band, they can't take orchestra, Maybe they don't want to sing. Um, Are we going to sit there and say to them, no, you need to play an A7 chord because that's what we're doing today? Are we going to say, yeah, go learn whatever you want to learn. Go in the corner. Tell me what you're going to work on this week and I'll check in with you. Or do we say to that kid, hey... You're going to help me. You're going to be my assistant teacher. You're going to help me tune guitars. You're going to help me make sure kids are using the correct chord shape. And then when we're working on projects, you're going to work on other stuff that's more advanced. Also, I realize I said go in the corner. I, I'm just picturing in my room how it's set up. But, <laughs> you know, I think it, it takes more work. And there have been times where I go, this differentiation is going to take a lot more work. But again, it's, for these kids, having that space in their day means everything.
0: And um, I lost my train of thought completely. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't do it. That's why it's the crab pants aren't there. So I can't think of what I was going to say. <laughs> all I have this a question
3: out. that's like related to right now. So like, I don't know how you guys are set up, but week by week, we have to upload modules for our kids and they have to complete assignments and that sort of thing. So differentiation this year has been really tricky in general because if you're having them do assignments, but everyone's in 42 different areas, but they have to complete it. Like that's been the trickiest thing for me this year. And then I've got these, you know, 14 guitar kids and they're in 14 different places. And it's my first year teaching the curriculum. It was just like, it was a lot to digest really quickly. Are you guys finding that there's a way where if these guitar classes end up staying online or if someone teaches a guitar class online, is there, a, is there a way, a good way to differentiate through a screen? Uh, where so am I? Sorry. I think,
2: Chelsea should answer this because she has taught online (laughs) since September and I'm about to start teaching online. And all of the online teaching I did in the spring was asynchronous. We weren't allowed to do any synchronous teaching in the spring when we shut down. So Chelsea, you've been synchronous. What's been working for you?
1: Oh man, this is scary to answer. So like we talked about in the beginning about, or Sarah mentioned like throwing a dart at a target. I feel like every class this year has been throwing darts at moving targets and so what i'll tell you i don't know it would be my tried and true methods but it's what occurred the last semester um each unit that we did uh, our district is currently four days synchronous and one day asynchronous so what i would try to do is that introduce a topic on monday and show them the diff- various entry points. And then on Wednesday, they'd have to submit some sort of practice video, so I could see where they're at. And like, whatever they submitted, they got 100% because it was just show me where you are. And then that was information for me for them, like if it was gonna be Friday that they would like play for class or Friday that they were gonna submit their video or the next week that they were gonna perform um, a section of their song, I could help them decide. So like, let's say we were all doing um, Blackbird That was a a unit we did, which when I had taught in person, I was able to help kids with fingerpicking so much more because it is so challenging through a screen. And then they send you videos, but you can't see their guitar. And you're like, well, I think you are maybe playing a B string, but I wasn't in tune. So it was a bit of a hot mess. But what I found is that my expectations had to change. And for some of the kids, it was, okay, you're going to play the full intro. For some of the kids, it was, you're going to play the first measure of this song and so i just changed their goals based on like where i was able to assess where they were at through the screen the horrible quality videos and just give them like i said i was super process based so pretty much if the kids submitted anything i gave them credit and then i would just write like this is what you did really well like you had a great hand position i um you were strumming the strings in the right rhythm let's work on making sure you're actually strumming the A and D string next time and just kind of like always say what they did well, give them a thing to work on, but give them credit for doing it. And I felt especially this year being on a screen that I really wanted to encourage them to not be afraid to submit something that they didn't think was uh, quality performance ready and like and be really safe with me to be like here's where I am Missina, because I was like if I had the luxury of walking up to you in class I'd hear this all the time so don't be afraid I want to hear where you are it's more exciting to hear the process so that the product I'll see your journey so I was like trust the process enjoy the journey and I don't know if that answers your question but it helped me make it less crazy to be like, every kid has to be at this point and be like, okay, here's the concept. And then let me figure out where the kid's going to be and at least take them from here to here, like somewhere moving forward.
2: But that also gets back to your why and your philosophy. And I should also say, even though Chelsea and I say like, we want them to be autonomous, we want them to be lifelong learners. There's also the question to the student of what do you want to get out of this? Why are you taking this class? And we've had students who want to read notation for the guitar. Like they've done other things and now they're like, okay, I want to figure out how to read traditional notation. Um, generally speaking kids take the class because they want to learn songs they know on the guitar right and so if our why is that they develop autonomy then it really doesn't matter how much blackbird they play the bigger question is can they figure out how to read a tab to play a song like blackbird on their own and use other tools like listening to recordings or watching youtube videos even honestly even teaching them to find quality youtube tutorials and assess which tutorials are best to use and how best to practice with a tutorial is part of that, you know? And that wasn't a thing when I first started teaching, but now that's a tool that they can use.
0: So I think one of the, um, both those points, both what Chelsea said in terms of them submitting kind of those practice videos and then teaching them how to look at things. I think that's, that's a perfect transition to this one other question that I had in terms of it. And I tell, I tell the kids at the beginning of piano and guitar, one of the things I say on the syllabus day is always this is the kind of class that you will a hundred percent get out of this what you put into it where like you are going to and I think it's not appreciated as much by them how much they are the active like reason at the end of the day of where they'll end up with it how um when you teach them these skills of what like where to look for things on youtube or when you give them the practice things and say let's work on this work on this how easily or how successfully do you find yourself getting them to bridge the gap between i want to play these led zeppelin songs because sometimes and i think marissa marissa has a few of these too and i know i have a few of those that are like i want to play this song and they're not anywhere near there and it's trying to run that risk of like the moment you say, well, if we work on this, it'll build this skill and it'll help you get there. And they go, yeah, but I don't want to do that. Like, I just want to play the song. Like that's not a switch you can turn. You have to work there. How do you help them motivate themselves to get there?
2: I, I think you, I'm curious to know what you would think about this Chelsea, but I think something that I have changed in my teaching is give them a lot more content they can readily play that they can pick up an instrument and just play. So the very first day of guitar class, they're playing smoke on the water. That way, when they come in on day two, they have something to play. So they're not just picking up a guitar going, what do I do with this? And that's not how I started teaching. It was like a whole week talking about parts of the guitar, quizzing them on where the sound hole is, which honestly... I don't think we need to quiz the students on where the sound hole on the guitar is, (laughs) but that's how I started off. And, you know, really tuning. So making them spend so much time tuning and realizing they were losing interest because they just want to play songs. And so I think giving them, uh, we do a riff of the week. So every week they're learning a new riff and they're having this toolbox of songs that they can noodle on when they come into class. And we always give them five minutes to just play at the beginning of class. Um, But what you're talking about is something we all experience when we're learning an instrument. We're working on something hard. And if we're unsuccessful, we need breaks and we need to go to something we already know that we're comfortable with. We need to go to smoke on the water or we need to go on something else. And so I think the more that you provide students with things they can be successful at, and the more they have in sort of their musician toolkit, the easier they'll be able to take those breaks and go back into it. I think we also have to be careful not to dictate how they learn something. And so I think that's really hard when we grow up classically trained and we're taught, well, you can't jump into playing this sonata until you first learned Alberti bass and until you first done X, Y, and Z, where that's not how most popular musicians learn. Yeah. Most of them learn through immersion. So most of them learn through actually playing stuff that's too hard for them with other musicians who are better than them. And so I think sometimes our tendency is to say like, you're not ready for that yet. You can't just jump in and work on it, but really that's going to be how they learn. And so it's better for us in those moments to step back and say, here's some tools and ideas I have, but you do what feels right for you in terms of your learning style, and then I'll support you in that. And if you hit a point where you're struggling, then I'll pull out some other tools that might be helpful.
0: I do definitely think that, and I this is purely speaking for myself, is a lot of what dictates how I felt like I started the class was out of fear of, like, I'm not a guitar player by trade. And I felt like if I go into this initially, giving them a little more freedom before you know it, I'm going to have like, it's like I lost my kids at the playground, like one's all the way across there and I don't know how he got there. And then one's still like playing in the mud. And like, it's just, it's everywhere and I don't have control over it. And that's that fear kind of dictated it for a while. And now I think I'm getting to a point where I'm seeing the flaws and how we've approached it in that like classical safety bubble. And we need to kind of get out of that as we go. Um, But I think that's hard. And it's, it's um, it's, this is not a reason not to do it. It's definitely more work on the teacher side of things to have them go a thousand different directions. Um, for sure. Marissa, as you finish your like first semester in it, do you feel like, what are your, your thoughts on like how the structure of it is going or where you would like to see?
3: I'm th- I'm thinking we have to redo things in a big, big
0: way. <laughs> I agree.
3: <laughs> um, no, I mean, like, I think that was the biggest problem. Like we've got kids in there playing you know, we're not playing hot cross buns, but like we're playing hot cross buns and all they want to do is play Zeppelin or like I'm sitting there playing basically lowest common denominator with the class. Um And, you know, same thing, like I'm learning guitar right along with them and I'm comfortable like taking those steps because that's how I learned how to play the violin. So the idea of jumping into something else with one of my kids who just wants to dive into the deep end is not something that I want to be doing and I don't have time to learn um a rush song and a zeppelin song and a, and a and a and a to help the 14 different kids but I think the way that it's being described is much more approachable and if we give them music that is more relevant to them like smoke on the water and not hot crossbones or, you know, things like that. They can come back to a little bit more fun. Hopefully that's fun for the more advanced kids when we are working in a group or we can take it, we can jazz it up for them when we're in a group. And then we can, you know, move things around and make it harder or whatever the case may be. Sorry, go ahead, Sarah.
2: I was just going to say, and I want Chelsea to comment on this because I know you have thoughts about this too, but here's the cool thing about new music learners that you are telling them what it means to be a musician. All those preconceived notions you have, and I had them too. When I decided to get rid of standard notation in my guitar curriculum, I got some pushback and I felt like the my theory teachers from college were gonna find me <laughs> and tell me that I'm terrible, you know? It felt yeah. so wrong, but I could tell that this is what, was working for my kids but the cool thing is when you're working with new music learners you get to be the one to share with them what it means to be a musician so in our classes being a musician means improvising it means jamming it means playing bass and drums and guitar and being a multi-instrumentalist it means um, playing at different levels with other people who are at different levels they just think that that's what it means. Whereas if I put my orchestra kids in those same circumstances, they freak out because they've been trained through their whole career that being a musician is very sequential. It's very formatted and everyone does the same thing. And so I think, yeah, we're usually the ones who are holding back what it could be because of our past. And I don't know how you feel about that, Chelsea. Um, Well, one thing I wanted to mention earlier when Kevin was
1: talking is... I totally resonate with the fear holding us back, Same, Marissa, for you. And I think what helped me the most this semester is I was like, this year is crazy. I'm not as good of a guitar player as I feel like the teacher they should have hashtag imposter syndrome, but I'm going to have so much fun. This is going to be my time of the day to have so much fun. And because I kind of like gave myself permission to have fun and to include the kids in what, what we did and ask them questions like what, and I had thankfully Sarah's awesome curriculum, which you should check out to keep me guided of like, okay, well this week, um, we're going to do a riff of the week. And and each week, maybe they got progressively more challenging, or maybe they were week seven, we went back to something simple that they could be like, Oh, yeah, look at this, Look at me. And then by week 10, they wrote their own riffs. And so I had a lot of fun doing that, even though it was scary. I'm afraid to improvise on the guitar in front of them. I, I'm nope. Mm-mm. but I just did it. And I, I, and I told them, I'm like, I'm so nervous. I'm just going to hear this is what I have. I'm like, all right, go ahead. Your turn. And then because I was doing it and it was just a thing, they did it too, because I didn't teach them to be afraid of that. It was, And Sarah encouraged me to do that. She's like, just make it normalcy in your class. And um, the other thing, Kevin, when you were talking about kids, like at all the varying levels and how do you help them jump in? I think too, and I'm sure you already do this, like sneaking in, the skills in warm-ups, which is again another pro tip from my friend Dr. Ji Hyun. Um, Every day it's like routine like okay well first we're gonna do like okay give me a pattern one three four five well let's move it up to the fifth fret one three four five up all the strings down all the strings let's go faster let's change it up so then like I don't have to be like well now we're going to build strength in our fingers now see kids your pinkies no it was just like this is the thing we're doing and then okay we're gonna make a chord progression shout out some chords great Uh, give me a strum pattern. And then so like that kind of became normal as the beginning of our class. And then each week I could kind of like guide them to choose more complicated strum patterns or not, or like guide it towards what rhythm we were gonna do in like our group song or um, then whatever unit you're doing, you can allow them to have choices. And let's say like Marissa, you were like, I have to learn 14 songs. Like maybe you just have one unit every couple of weeks where they can choose 14 songs, but then your next unit, there are two song choices. And they can pick two of them and they have to play a section of that. And like, if you have this Led Zeppelin superstar and it's like, oh my gosh, please, can I play this other thing? Yeah, but I'll, I'll be your supervisor, not your teacher. You know, you'll be more of like a you don't. facilitator than a teacher, which I didn't realize we were allowed to do as music educators. I was like, I have to know everything. I have to teach them. I have to be better than them. And they're not supposed to teach me. I have to be the expert. And therefore I shouldn't be doing this. I'm terrible all the things. But it's been so fun to be permission to not know all the things, permission to ask the kids, and like permission to experiment.
2: That was a lot. And I I, I do want to give a shout out too because all of the warm-ups that I do, it was me going to my guitar my guitarist in my band who was self taught for the most part and saying, How do you warm up? Right? Because I also like guitar is not my primary instrument. I learned it from teaching it. So I've asked a lot of guitarists how they learn to, you know, keep adding stuff to my curriculum. And I think that's a great thing to do too, is just to go to people who play and just say like, how do you learn? How do you play? What do you like to do for finger strength? What do you like to do for agility? What scales do you think are the most important to learn? How did you learn them? And I I think also knowing that like, you don't have to play as well as your students. And you you're still a musician I I I have students who play these crazy arrangements with finger tapping and all this stuff and I can tell them if their tempo needs to be tighter or I can help them break down passages that are hard even if I can't play it which you do for students all the time I'm sure you don't play every band instrument Kevin to you know he does actually actually
0: I don't don't believe in the piccolo (laughs) on a fundamental level (laughs) anything that related doesn't I don't go near.
2: Right. So you wouldn't be like, I'm not qualified to teach band because I don't know all the piccolo fingerings. You would say, I can listen to that piccolo player and tell them that they're flat or tell them that they need to work slower, whatever it is. And so. Or you say, let's look at the fingering chart together. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's what there I. there too.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Sarah, for you, what was it, what has it been like, um, to have Chelsea come in after you've had some years of kind of establishing stuff. What's it like to have another person come in and have, be that kind of second set of eyes on everything?
2: It's so annoying. I'm just kidding. And <laughs> it here. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, it is, uh, first of all, I am so grateful to teach with another music educator who has a similar philosophy. I mean, I, and I realize that I'm very blessed, very lucky to work with Chelsea. Um, I think what's, what's fun is, sure, I've, I've been teaching this course for a long time. I've had ideas, I've put it together in a curriculum, but everyone's gonna teach it differently. So she's done stuff this past semester that I haven't done before that I'm gonna use now and coming into this new semester. So I always think that having more than one person teaching it is really good because it will grow and develop in ways that are really nuanced. And it will never get stuck in, I don't think it should be like the Sarah Ghoulish guitar method. Um, I think it really should be student run and student driven. And so I think having two people teach it can be helpful. And like she said, she makes music. She's the funnest teacher I've ever watched teach. I took a video of her the first day of school this year, because I saw her with this guitar, first day of guitar class. She's like, (laughs) singing to her Google meet students. She's singing to the kids in the room and she is just in it to win it. And so, yeah, she inspires me every day and we have fun. Like she'll pop into the class that I'm teaching. I'll be like, Miss Diener, improvise a solo over this. And so I I do think that kids seeing us have fun making music is so important. And luckily she's just as crazy as I am. And a little bit weirder than I am, so it works out really well.
0: <laughs> I 100% agree. And and to Chelsea's point of where you are like me, where you're nervous to play that guitar in front of people, feeling like in any way, shape, and form that it's not just you is massive to get through there. So um, I think it's it's very nice to have a colleague there to actually support the stuff and do it.
3: That's the nicest thing he's ever said Two um, weeks are about me. This is big, you guys. Wow. Make, Don't cut it. Don't gonna, cut it.
0: I edit now, so I can do whatever I want with this. Yeah, you gotta it. Um, but I So this was awesome. And this was and maybe this was a little more of a therapy session for me than I initially intended. <laughs> but it's 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 the class that I think In conversation with Marissa, I think it's the class that we see the most potential in, but needs the most change in. And it was one of those where there's so much that can be done with it that we just didn't know where to go with it. And I think the biggest thing was, how do we make the changes to service the students in the room most effectively? Um, So it was huge.
2: Yeah, Chelsea, like she said... She was crying at the end of her guitar class today. I was crying at the end of my production class, which is also a general music class with a lot of new music learners. And I felt like when I started my teaching career, those classes were seen by the profession as the throwaway classes that everyone just wanted the ensemble classes and i have to teach this elective and you see, even see it on facebook forums like music teacher forums like oh they're making me teach music appreciation or they're making me teach this what am i supposed to do for that i'm a band teacher or i'm a choir teacher and i mean these are the student i, I have had more memorable magical experiences in those classes hands down than in my ensemble classes because there's something so incredibly magical to watch someone in the beginning of their musician journey. And then sometimes you see them do really incredible things even after they graduate. And to know that, you know, you were able to, at 15 years old, to plant a seed that had never been planted up until that point is so, so cool.
0: Thank you for the two of you for.
3: Yeah, thank you both
0: very much. Therapying with me.
1: But well, we're not going away. You can always reach out. I'd love to see what you guys are doing and learn.
0: Sarah's one appearance away from being the third host of this show. So that's great. <laughs> and then Chelsea, you're next. We'll just swing you in. It'll be perfect.
1: Oh, my God. When that screen pops up, you are now the host.
0: There you go.